Welcome to Champion Church of the Nazarene's weekly sermon podcast. Each week brings a new message that looks to invite you into a new life brought by Jesus Christ. We hope you are inspired and changed by God by the message brought by today's speaker. things a little bit. Um, usually, um, I'll go right into the sermon, but I want to have a word of prayer first. I just sense from talking with a lot of people this week and in connection with a lot of people in our community, as well as um, on the phone, Zooming, etc., is just good feedback from uh, the podcasts. But there's just an awful lot of needs. And so I'm just going to ask you to join with me in prayer. We've got uh, Cindy in the hospital. Jim is down with his back. Um, There are others that we want to remember. And so I'm just going to ask if we could to just stop for a minute. It's not about a structure. It's not about an order of service, folks. It's about Jesus. And it's about him being present here with and among us. I really believe that oftentimes in the history of the church, not necessarily this particular church or whatever, but in the history of the church, we have been too constricted and too restrained by what we have put together that we have to follow our pattern instead of listening to him. So I just want to ask you to join with me in prayer for a few minutes or for a few moments, please. Jesus, we are here. We have people that um, need your physical healing touch. We have people in the hospital. We have people that are going to have to have some very diagnostic tests this week. We have people that don't feel good. We just have people that are overburdened and just feel like they're running 16 ways to Sunday and no time to stop the train to get off for a breath. So, Lord Jesus, into all of that, I ask you to come. I ask you, Lord, to step up and take over all of that from them. And I ask you, Lord, to just give peace in the midst of all of that to them so that you would be glorified with them and speak to them and in them. For those that are sick, I ask you, Lord Jesus, to just come down and touch the body. You created the blood vessels, you created kidneys, you created backs, you created enzymes, you created the immune response, you created the nerve system. You created it so you can heal. And that's what we are asking for. And there's those, Lord, that just have a lot of stuff going on in their lives. Spouses that are sick, finances that are stressed, sudden impact of of a man at at the local restaurant dying this week. Young, how do you explain that? You don't. And yet, Jesus, still, you are Lord. And I ask you, Lord, to uh, step into all of that Step into all of that and let us hear from 
you so that we would hear your words to us and learn from you about you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Boot camp. Paris Island. When you mention those two words together, there are those who have their own thoughts. Many people have a bit of an apprehension, if not a total fear, of what goes on there. They do not want to ever go there. It is a situation where it's easy to uh, consider. I don't want to be a part of that. Many uh, have referred to Paris Island in terms that are derogatory, while others have said that that is the coup de grace where you want to go to be a Marine. And those in Paris Island say, well, we're better than Camp Pendleton because those are just Hollywood Marines and Hollywood-based camp. And yet, in all reality, they all serve and they're all trained. While they're there, they are submitted to a discipline, a character transformation, a mindset that is different than what they brought into boot camp with. It is now team and it is now country. And they become part of that and we are thankful. I'm just going to stop a moment and say, let me say this. If you have been here, you are here and you have served in the military, whether online and you're here or here in the congregation today, and you've served in the military, simplify. Thank you. Whether it's Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, or Coast Guard. And yes, even though they're not technically, they are still keeping our country safe. And we can talk about that if you disagree, but that's okay. We'll talk about it later. Further, any recruit in any branch of service will also go on to what is called classification. That is where they help you to decide what you want to be. Mike Warnke tells the story that he was in the Navy because, during Vietnam because he didn't want to join the Marine Corps. He came down to classification, and that's where he went in, and they said, well, Warnke, what do you want to be? He said, I want to be a cook, man. I want to be a cook. And they said, well, you don't want to be a cook. You want to be a corpsman. Now, none of you who know where I'm going about that be, say anything. Few of you are already smiling. And he said, well, what does a corpsman do? And they said, well, they hang around nurses and hand out drugs. And he said, sign me up. So they did. He gets back to his barracks. And they said, what would you sign up for? And he said, I signed up to be a corpsman. And they shockingly looked at him and said, do you know what they do? Yeah, they hang around women and, and pass out drugs. And he said, what one military branch? does not have their own corpsman, but uses Navy. And he said, you don't mean, and they said, from the halls of Montezuma. He spent three and a half years in the Marine Corps. During boot camp, he became a Christian. He had two guys there that shared Jesus with him. And finally he said, I don't want you to tell me any more about Jesus in this entire time. And they said, okay. They did not tell the, say they wouldn't tell each other all the time out loud. And they would be, he would be hiding in the barracks and they would be sitting under his window and one would say, did you know Jesus died for you? And the other one would say, well, no, tell me about it. Boot camp. After classification, they get their AT, their advanced training. From there, they go from not only 
beyond good to incomparable. While boot camp is by and large hugely not only mental but physically taxing, advanced training, AT, is very emotionally and mentally challenging. They train you to be the best of the best of the best of the best at what you are doing so that if they need you, you can just step in and do it. In that given job description, they give a, a letter and some numbers. And once they get into that, they serve their time in that classification and with that advanced training unless they re, uh, reclassify. It's intense. Full commitment. No going back. No selling out. No wavering. No standing down, as it were. It is for a call of duty, and there is absolutely no Q-U-I-T. None. In the discussion, you don't quit. I saw one road sign here recently about the Marines, and it said, we don't take applications, we need commitment, we seek commitment. Over 2,000 years ago, Jesus stood with his disciples. They had been through their basic training. A lot of people have walked away and never come back. There he is with his disciples. He has already come and restored them from their failure. He has already come and restored them with forgiveness, and he has given them grace. And there they are standing there, and he will, they will get their MOS, not military operational service, but their ministry occupational service, and it's about to be given. Their AT, their advanced training, is about to be given, and they are about to find out what that AT is going to be. He has already said something about it in John chapter 14. And still... They are going to hear about it again. Jesus has received them. He has evaluated them. He will be commissioning them, and he is giving them their mission, the great commission. In John 14, he has said, I will send the Holy Spirit as your AT, who will guide you into all truth. Jesus is with them, and he has told them to get the holy preparation, the holy advanced training for their lives that will equip them, prepare them, and make them successful. They'd been through their basic training. They had, he, they had been recruited by him, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. They had observed all the miracles that had been done by Jesus as an intense in-service of what was going on. They saw little kids thrown down on the ground and Jesus rebuked and demons came out. They saw demons go into swine who took off across a field and over a thousand went down into the drench. They saw eyes healed. They saw water turned to wine. They saw it all. And through that, he equipped them in and, and advanced training as well as in basic training to say, this is what you are about to do. I will pause a note here. In the church at large, there can be a philosophical and a theological presupposition that is said, and I'm going to tell you I am diametrically, absolutely, unequivocally opposed to, and that is this. Every time you have a sickness, every time you have a problem, every time there's something wrong, it's because you have a demon. No, that's not true. Satan came into the world in Genesis. He brought sin with him. Sin has brought sickness, but that does not mean people that are sick or have had injuries or have issues like that are demon-possessed. Did you get it? It's a result of sin. It is not a result of being demon-possessed. Back to the training. Luke chapter 10, verses 1 through 12 and 17 through 20 tell us that these 70 were sent out. When they came back, 
They reported even demons were cast out because of what Jesus had done. Let me make a note here. It is the only time the disciples of any magnitude were told to go and witness of him before they had been filled with the Holy Spirit. And then they came back and they gave their response and they gave the report. But what did Jesus say in verses 17 through 20? Do not marvel that the demons have come out. Do not marvel that things are subject to you in my name. Marvel that your name is written down in heaven. Our text tells us some things. Our text tells us, as it did these 120 disciples, what to do to prepare for their mission. Our text tells us, as it did these 120 disciples, how they were to get ready uh, and what their advanced training would start with and from there and from that start would proceed with. Our text tells us, as it did these 120 disciples, what it would take to receive Holy preparation for his holy purpose. I am speaking today along a theme. The holy preparation for his holy purpose. Our text is in Acts chapter 1 verse 4. <clears throat> Acts 1, 4. I'm going to encourage you to get a Bible. I'm going to encourage you to get a phone. I'm going to encourage you to do what it takes to get there. I'm going to try to have a PowerPoint and things ready for Mother's Day next week. So please forgive me as we've got some glitches and we're trying to work with it. But please bear with us if you would. I know that's usually helpful, but I, I'm just kind of here today. So help me. Acts chapter 1 verse 4. While staying with them, while he was staying with them, the disciples, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. The message was clear to them and should be clear to us, and it is our sermon in a sentence. And our sermon in a sentence is this. There is a holy preparation for all holy disciples from a holy God for his holy purpose. Let me say that again. There is a holy preparation for all holy disciples from a holy God for his holy purpose. The first part of Acts 1, 4 says this, while he was staying with them, he commanded them. The holy preparation is this in point one, receive it as a command. I cannot tell you how unpleasant it becomes when you do not do what your drill instructor tells you to do. It is not an option. It is a command. I cannot tell you how unpleasant it could become if your boss tells you to do something and you say, eh, I don't think I want to do that now. If you keep your job, it will not be pleasant for you because you did that. How much more should we not also obey God the Father through God the Son, be it God the Holy Spirit? It is a holy command. You did not up for this to say no to God. If you feel called to anything, then you should pursue that, whatever it takes, wherever it takes you, however you've got to do it. As a lot of you know, I have been the equivalent of a district superintendent in another organization. And I had to deal with some people that said, well, I'm, I'm ordained, and then they would be willing to sit and not pastor or assistant pastor. They did not up for this mission. 
to say, I'm quitting. God did not call us to be quitters. God called us to be goers and beers and doers and disciples. The command is holy because he, God, is holy and because Jesus is holy. We have it in Leviticus and we have it repeated in 1 Peter. Be ye holy. You be holy because even as I am holy. The command is holy because he, Jesus, is the author. If he and since he and because he, Jesus, is holy and because since and as he is the one who gave this command, then the command is holy. We are to receive it as a holy command. Not an optional command, not a maybe command, but holy. If we're to walk in the power and the presence and the purpose and the personification of being holy as God has called us to be, as Jesus has wanted us to be, we are to receive his command of preparation as a holy command because that's exactly what it is. The command is holy because he is giving them holy preparation as his disciples for his holy purpose, that they would be his holy representatives of his holy, H-O-L-Y-N-E-S-S. We are also to receive this command as having his purpose. Not me, not my will but thine be done, Lord, in me. Our purpose to prepare his disciples to be S-E-N-T, not S-A-T. God has not called anyone here or me or anyone to be people of passivity, but followers and disciples of going and disciples of action. The purpose to prepare them to be fruitful John 14, John 15, during that discourse to the disciples, be fruitful and multiply. He that bears fruit is part of me. He is commanding us to be fruitful. The purpose to prepare his disciples to be receiving that that which was promised by Jesus himself. What is that? I'm glad you asked. We're going to get to that in point three. The purpose to have what was promised. Holy fulfilling, holy manifesting, holy purposeful making, and holy envisioning. Are you, am I, so truly hungry that we are content with absolutely nothing else in our spirit? But his promise that leads to his holy promise in us among us, with us, for us, and then through us. The Holy Spirit come, the Holy Spirit infill, the Holy Spirit prepare, the Holy Spirit burn in us so much that we choose not to accept good, but to wait for the marvelous level great. Good leads to stagnation and acceptance of survival. Great beseeches God and pleads with God and, and seeks God and expects of God and is broken before God 
for explosiveness, for anointing, for fruitfulness, and thereby for favor of Jesus. There is a holy preparation for all holy disciples from a holy God for His holy purpose. Point two is this. Acts 1, 4, B. A was this. While staying with them, he commanded them, and B, not to depart from Jerusalem, but wait. It is the preparation not only of receiving the command, but it is the preparation of receiving the holy promise. Waiting, not departing, requires obedience. I can get awfully distracted. I am ADHD to the hilt. Thank God I had my 19 cups of coffee this morning. You laugh. You would not be laughing if I hadn't. I literally had two mugs that tall, plus a little cup. I'm now almost okay. Don't laugh at me. Okay, go ahead. It's all right. It's easy to get distracted. It's easy to get dissuaded. It's easy to get, oh, I want to go. That's not what this is about. In the 16 plus hours I drive between Minnesota, our home, and then here, thank God there's only three, maybe four more trips, and that's it. Hallelujah. You can say that real loud. Anybody say hallelujah, glory to Jesus, take off running and shouting? I'm going to. I got to tell you, I'll be glad to get Karen here 100% of the time in that final move. And this, you know, this is the third, maybe fourth, last trip. Thank you, Jesus. But on those trips, I've had a lot of good church. As I say, praying, singing, even weeping and seeking. You see, there's something in me that says, God, I don't want any of me in this. God has blessed us. God has anointed us. God has been with us. And God is doing something among us that I have not had very much in all of my ministry. And that is the continual seeking of God by his people. And from that, the continual anointing of God in the services. We're going to use the altar for a sixth week this week. We're going to have communion. That is not something I'm used to. I've only had that happen one other time that much and on and on in my ministry, and that was in South Africa. We'd been praying for two, two and a half years, and then we had constructed some sermons, and we took them with us, and we preached none of them because God came, but we were ready for him. I don't want me to be seen. I would rather take off my coat. Hold on, I'm still a preacher. Of identity. And hide behind the identity of the cross. That's who I want to be seen as Jesus. And I don't want to do or be in any way, shape, or form 
in the way. Stay as commissioned by Jesus without being distracted, but also be where Jesus is chosen. They were being sent back to Jerusalem. Wait a minute. Isn't that the same place where they had fear? Yes. Isn't that the same place where Jesus came to them through a locked door, through a closed door in a room so he could reveal himself to them? Yes. But also look at this. In Jerusalem, it is a place, same place where he saw them and they saw him. It is the same place where he revealed his hands and his side and his feet and they saw him and he saw them. It is the same place where there was no time for anything else but waiting for Jesus. And Jesus gives no timeline of how long that was to last from this point forward where he is telling them at this point in Acts chapter 1 verse 4. He had already been with them 50 days after the resurrection. Why did Jesus wait? I don't know. He could have easily uh, ascended from that room, but he chose not to. In John's gospel, it said the number of things at the very end, he said the number of things that God or Jesus did if they were all written down, there's not enough books to be holding it all. I don't know why he chose to wait. And then after the 50 days, there were 10 more days in the upper room. But what happened in those 10 days? I'm glad you asked. We're going to get to it. But also, the fifth festival of weeks was about to happen. Jews from all over and Gentiles that were interested in becoming part of the blessing of the Jewish people were coming into Jerusalem for the festival of weeks. And you know what happened? Pentecost. God has his plan for his people in this time that he has chosen for his fulfillment of his mission in us, to us, through us. How long? I don't know. But I know this, he's already moving. Satan is already fighting. I wasn't here 24 hours when that windstorm came through and did some damage to the roof. Satan is already fighting. But God, we have a contractor that's getting us on his agenda to replace this entire roof. God steps in. And more and more and more. And the miracles of Karen and I coming, too many to list. But God's grace stepped in. Yes, there is a holy preparation for his holy disciples, from a holy God, for his holy people. His presence, his power, his purity, his promise fulfilled. Point one was the preparation of receiving the holy command. Point two was the preparation of receiving the Holy Spirit. And point three is this, Acts 1-4, finish the, finish the text. But wait for what you have heard from me. Preparation for his holy gifting and perspective. Him. Receive it. Receive it.
Acts 1.14, they all were there with one accord. They were one in unity. There was nothing else they were there for. They wanted to know what Jesus was going to do and how he was going to give this gift that he had promised. They wanted to wait for that, and there was absolutely nothing else. They were in one accord. That means they were unified. In Psalms 133, it says, How beautiful it is when brothers dwell in unity together. It is like the oil coming down Aaron's beard and going down on his robe. The significance of that is this, folks. That is holy anointing oil for the holy position of the high priest that was poured on Aaron when he was anointed for that. That's how holy, holy anointing and holy unity and holy waiting and holy one accordness are. Oneness with each other, oneness with seeking. How distracted can we be? Oneness, one thing. Are we so at the end of us that we are ready to come to the thing of, God, we've got to have you in this, only you. If you don't move, the solutions that we come up with are not going to work. If you don't move, what we have experienced with no good results or bad results may keep happening. God, we need you in this. Oneness and inclusion. Look at that if you would. Even the women were there. That's huge. Because women were considered secondary citizens. But God, the Holy Spirit, included the women. And this is kind of getting into next week for Ladies' Day and Mother's Day. It's like God went back to Genesis when he created man and woman and they were co-equal. Spiritually now, they were co-equal. And from there, the church exploded, and there were a lot of women leaders in the church. Women evangelists, women prophetesses, they were considered equal. Those who had not been part of the 12, they were considered equal. We don't know the names of anybody there much except for the 11 or the 10 that then became the 11 with Matthias. But 120, they were all included. I take great consideration of great encouragement and great understanding and great affirmation and all of that. Because even though my name is not written down in some of this, my name is still written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. And I am equal. As are you. God does not have favorites. He does not have a class system. He has an equal system. He died for all. He includes all. He chooses all who will come after him to take up their cross and follow him. The call, the AT, the classification, the no quit, the absolute commitment. Dealing with a man, with more than one man, I was dealing on a Zoom thing this week as well as on the phone, as well as, as well as, as well as. And I said to a gentleman, do you know your call? Yes. Different denomination, different state, completely different both. And he said, what are you doing to do it? Oh, I'm just sitting and waiting. You're not seeking and praying. 
And then he wonders why nothing happens. Are we desperate enough for Jesus that we're willing to sacrifice all for Jesus so that through Jesus we take the greatness and not the survival. Acts 1.16, uh, brothers, the scripture had to be fulfilled. They had a scriptural foundation. They were mindful of what had to happen. This is part of the preparation for the holy presence. Scripture, Bible. That's why we believe in this church we should be Bible-based. That's why we hold this Bible to be true. That's why we hold the word of God to be perfectly pure. That's why we hold the Bible and the, to be what we base everything of our life on and the way we uh, will do this church and how we will go forward. It's not about this, it's not about that. If it's not about this, what's in here, then it's not about. Despite culturalism that says different, the Bible says it, that's it. They went back to Scripture, and Peter went on for a while about the Scripture must be fulfilled, and the Scripture was the foundation of it, and the Scripture had to be read, and then he reread it, and then after that the Scripture was followed and held to for preparation of the disciples to go forward, and the Scripture was their roadmap and their GPS and their directions and everything that they had to be, and it is and shall be ours. Are we Bible-based? Are we prayer and fasting-focused? And preparation seeking, I am going to challenge all of us this week to be in prayer every day and physically, if you can, not if you want to, but physically like diabetes, adjust, things like that. One meal a day, fasting. And after we get here all the time, I'm going to challenge each of us who will to meet here on a given evening of the, of the week, probably a Saturday evening, for prayer around this altar, for this church, in this community, that God the Holy Spirit will come down. And I'm going to again share with you that the leadership team, I would love to have them meet with me at 9.15 every Sunday morning, right there. We did this morning, and I want us to continue. Point C is John 17, 19, 19 through 21. And for their sake I sanctify myself that they also may be sanctified in truth, i.e. made holy, consecrated to God, his purpose, his passion, his personification, his purity to be holy. That they may be one even as you and I are one and you and me and I and you, that they also may be in us oneness is the preparation. While they were there, they waited to become one with each other, but also oneness of purpose and for God and for Jesus and for the promise of the Holy Spirit. Even as Jesus consecrated, separated, and sanctified himself to the Father, we are to be separated, sanctified, and consecrated to Jesus alone. You want something happening in your family, you want loved ones to come to Jesus, you want some kind of a miracle to happen, you sanctify and consecrate and separate yourselves. Will you see it? I do not know. My uncle Woodrow became a Christian long after my grandmother died, but he, she never quit praying. 
every day for him. My Uncle John, the same thing. But she kept praying every day for him. My grandfather finally came to Jesus in his 70s after he had been one of the meanest, most abusive, physically abusive people I've ever known, personally. Second only to him was another family member. But still, she, my grandmother, prayed for him, and he came to Jesus. Separated, sanctified, consecrated to him. Even as Jesus separated and sanctified and consecrated, that he would be one with the Father again. Remember, he was the Son of God. He was still one with the Father. But he did so with them, to them, in front of them, so that they would become one with him. Are you one with Jesus today? To the Father, for the Father's purpose, to be holy without We are called to be holy even as God is holy. Do we have the same oneness? That's what happened at Pentecost because they did the preparation. There is a holy preparation for, his, for all holy disciples from a holy God for his holy I'm going to ask the ushers to come, and as you take of the elements today, the only thing we believe you have to be is a Christian. You do not have to be a member of any Nazarene church. You do not have to be a member of this Nazarene church. You can be a visitor in this church, which some are, and we are grateful to all of you who chose to do that. Thank you. And I hope you filled out those information cards so we can follow up. But right now is a time to be unified. Oneness. Go ahead, gentlemen. We're going to take communion. There's juice and there's bread. Go ahead. Oh, I see what you're doing. I'm sorry. My bad. And I'm going to encourage each and every one of you to take a cup and take some bread. We, together, will take these in our hands. I do not want you to take them and eat them yet. I do not want that. This is one of the most sacred, holy sacraments that we celebrate. It is about celebrating Jesus' blood shed for us on the cross, and through his blood we have forgiveness. We have his resurrection. We have this message that Jesus gave to his disciples in Acts 1-4. And from that, we are going to suggest to you that we all need to, once again, not only refocus on his sacrifice, but I'm going to suggest today that we not only focus on his sacrifice, but on his purpose for us. I'm going to ask you to have heads bowed, eyes closed. In the scriptures we find out, again being scripturally based like Peter was, that if we take it without sin, then we can take it. We take it with sin in our hearts, we trample underfoot his blood and that is not good. And I ask you to, say, to ask God even now, Lord is there something in my life 
that I need to confess, that I need to forsake, that I need to be forgiven for and purified of. Available, Lord, I'm available to do whatever you would have me to. Available, Lord, I'm available to speak as you would speak. Be what you would be and to do whatever you would have me do. If you are able and if you are willing, I'm going to ask as many as would to come down here and kneel at these altars right before we take the communion and we will take it around these altars. I'm going to ask you to get up, even now, out of your chairs, after you get your your elements. I want you to get your elements. But after we get the elements, I'm going to ask you to come on down to the altar. There's nothing sacred about a piece of wood. What is sacred is what this represents. You don't have to come, but if you want to, you're more than welcome. And we invite all. And we are glad you are all here. Thank you for coming. Thank you, Jesus. This is the most beautiful sight. This is a stunning, beautiful sight. Thank you, Lord. If we run out of room on the altars, which it looks like we may or may not, there's pews here on the front. Please use those. They're available as well. You're more than welcome to do that. The scriptures tell us the night that Jesus was going to be crucified, he took a cup and he said, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. It did not literally become the physical body. It became representational of the blood that he was going to shed. And then he said these words, drink you all of it. Let us take the cup and drink it, please. He then followed up. He gave them bread, unleavened bread, there in the upper room. And he said, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this also in remembrance of me. Again, it's not literally becoming his body, but it is representational of the body that he was bro- would be broken. And they would not have a nice little crisp, clean, cut out piece, but it would just be literally ripped off as his body was about to be ripped apart. And so we ask you to take it as well. Jesus, we are here. We are partaking of communion, which is the most holy sacrament of sacraments pretty much that we do. 
it commemorates that we are part of the body of Christ because of the shed blood of Christ. And we ask you, Lord, to transform us, to make us new, to make us different by design, to give us this advanced training and advanced equipment and advanced equipping of the Holy Spirit so that as we go forward, there's no quitting. There's no weakness. We follow our call of duty, for we are all called as Christians to be in the spiritual warfare that goes on in the heavenlies so that we tell the name of Jesus. And we live in the power of the Holy Spirit while having been forgiven. And all God's people said, Amen. Thank you, one and all. You are dismissed. Uh, I do need to, after we visit a little bit, I, and I want to connect with our visitors, we do need to have a leadership team meeting. Please, if you would. Thank you so much. God bless you all. We'll see you next Sunday, and I will be calling a lot of you again this week. Thanks for listening to Champion Church of the Nazarene's weekly sermon podcast. We hope you were inspired by this week's message. We'd love for you to join us on a Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. We are located at 3924 High Street Northwest in Warren, Ohio. You can also join us on Facebook Live. For more information about our ministries, or if you'd like to contribute to our ministries online, visit us at championnaz.org.